Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Tom Boyd. This is the show where we discover how storytellers are building brands online. And in this episode, we talk to Michael Downey. His YouTube channel is Downey Live, and it's coming up on 300,000 subscribers. In this show, we discuss how he took out a loan and bet on himself with only 1,500 subscribers. We talk about how he thinks about working with sponsors and investing it back into his business. We talk about his creative process with his team and his exact tips for storytelling. But before we get into it, a quick word from our sponsor. Something we talk about a lot on this podcast is monetizing your content as a storyteller. That's why I'm excited to tell you about our sponsor, Lumanu. This is the platform that I use that makes working with brands and getting paid easier so I can focus my time doing what I enjoy the most, creating content and connecting with you. You've heard me talk about how we need to stop working with brands as one-off transactions, rather seek to build a relationship with them. Well, the best way to build a relationship is through effective communication. And Lumanu has a collaboration feature that simplifies the communication process with the brand you are working with. So imagine having email, Google Docs, Dropbox, and payments all in one place. So when it comes to expectations, deliverables, and timing, you can literally stay on the same page with the brand you are working with. Also, you can request and receive your payment from brand partners for no fees. So when you request your hard-earned bread through Lumano, an invoice is generated and sent right to your client's inbox. They are then able to pay you with a click of a button. So stop using PayPal to send invoices unless you're selling your used air conditioner to your neighbor. And start treating your creator business like a professional and get paid what you deserve at Lumanu.com. I have a question. If you're at a uh, barbecue or uh, a cocktail party or a hangout of some sort, someone comes up to you and they say, oh, man, like you know you get this question. Yo, man, what, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? And, and let, let's bet it's someone that you really want to talk to. You know, it's not okay. like someone that you're going to give like the, the uh, run the around. Off. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's someone that you want to talk to. How do you explain? How do you respond? I say I'm a YouTuber, first off, and that tends to capture a lot of people's attention. But yeah. what I, I like to think back to is back when I had 200 subscribers, 800 subscribers was really, really small. I started dating my partner, Nicole. And I was meeting her friends for the first time. And that was a point where I had decided I was going to introduce myself as a YouTuber, even though I had a full-time job at a junk removal company. Really? Which we can get into in a bit, but it was you a mentality. I, I was deciding I was going to make this my career. I was going to be a YouTuber. So I'd introduce myself. I'm a YouTuber, but I'm currently working at a junk removal company. And they'd go, really cool. And it it's it's almost embarrassing when they go really and they go look up your channel and you have oh, 250 <laughs> subscribers but that was the mentality i needed to get into and i needed not be ashamed of where i was because i was building towards where i am now and and future so bro i love that i think that's such a great way to start so you say straight up i'm a youtuber and then they say what kind of content do you create uh, this is a great, uh, so my sister, she's an elementary school teacher and she really loves what I do, but YouTubers tend to have a bad, a bad rap where we do everything for views or we do a lot of clickbait or maybe you're a gamer or something like that. And so as soon as she says, oh, my brother's a YouTuber, she immediately goes, but he's not like that. He's, he's a good YouTuber. <laughs> she kind of has to defend it. Um, yeah. so I, I describe my channel as being half adventure and half behind the scenes. And the adventure is sort of that travel related, but it doesn't have to be. In fact, over COVID over the last year and a half, it hasn't been travel at all. 
Yeah. But I've still found a way to make it as adventure as possible and bring you in along the story and have some fun with me each week. And the other half behind the scenes are kind of things where I'll ride on a tugboat for a day and show you what that industry is like. Or yeah. with the ice maker at our local arena and show you how a Zamboni works and all those interesting behind the scenes where you go, I've always wondered what that's like, but you would never go out of your way to show us. Yeah. And I and I and I can tell you're you're one of those personalities where, you know, as soon as you're on camera and I'm watching your content, you're like, Yeah, this guy's supposed to be on camera. You know, like like some some YouTubers, like it, it seems that you know they they have a more of a um, reserved personality. So a lot of what comes out in their content is like the writing and like the clever approach. Right. But uh, right. I and you have a good and then some people have a good mix of both and all of it, right? So yeah. I, I can tell that you know there's there's certain traditional like you know on camera personalities. I I classify myself as someone that like kind of has that too, where people are like, yeah, just. Put the camera on them, and, and it, something will be It'll figured be out, right? So, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, I, I mean, even for me at the beginning, I still wasn't totally confident, and I kind of acted out of character. It took me a while to actually develop confidence. How did you develop your on-camera personality over oh, the years? That's a great question. On camera and in person while holding a camera, those are two things. It's one thing yeah. to be on camera and talking to you like this. It's another to be out in public, which I do every single week. I don't record in a studio like you here, Tom. Yeah. So being comfortable out in public holding a camera up was a, a secondary boundary I had to break through to feel okay. And that had to show on camera. And honestly, it's just hours in front of the camera yeah. And yeah. T t putting in the time. Yeah. And then, uh, so you started this channel and for the most part, it, you're, you're holding, you're vlogging at like, you know, it's, yeah. it's just you and your camera at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, tell me, tell me how long it took to get your first 10,000 subscribers and what you learned in that period of time from starting your channel and saying you're a YouTuber to that with the 200 to okay. getting 10,000. Okay. Going from zero, it was a, a day I, I had been laid off from my job. I had a great marketing job, really, really enjoyed it, but we lost our biggest client. I was laid off. It was nothing personal. My manager felt horrible, but and, that was a moment. And you, were, and, and you worked in Vancouver, right? Or, or, yeah. Okay, yeah. It was, it was actually a travel job related where I was – uh, working for a company that we would set up booths at different festivals. Uh, I was in charge of Western Canada. So I was constantly on the move and loved it. And it was a very active, outdoor, personable job talking with people yep. and challenging. But I lost that. And now I had a little bit of money saved up. I had a whole lot of time. What do I want to do? I want to go travel a little bit. These are some trips I had always wanted to do. And when I came back, I spent every day editing these videos. I went, yeah, I'm not, I'm not bad at this. There's got to be a way I can make money doing this. Because it was either that yeah. or go back to another agency job. And so I also realized that I was watching television differently. This is a, almost five years ago. And um, I was no longer really watching television. I was watching YouTubers and following these YouTube personalities and one of them made a video describing how he how he made money and I have a business degree in marketing and it just kind of clicked I said I understand how you make money I think I can do that from now on so I started I had this Michael Downey channel it's still out there but they're just mostly memory videos of trips with friends and it's just mm -hmm. music over our highlights and I knew I needed to make videos for the viewer and so I started an entirely mm -hmm. new channel 
called Downy Live, and these were all for the viewer. They were not videos for me. And it took, so as soon as I started that, I needed a job so I could pay to do all this stuff and have a, you know, still survive. Cause when you have zero subscribers, you're not making any money. Mm -hmm. So I took a job that I would hate. I got a junk removal job, one that would motivate me to quit that job and make sure that I could make YouTube work faster. And mm -hmm. so I did that and all my evenings and weekends, I was making videos. And after about a year of that, I had 1,500 subscribers. And I said, okay, I need to focus more time on the YouTube channel so I can grow faster. So I quit the junk removal job, took out a loan and started doing it. And by the end of year two, I had 5,000 subscribers. I'm going, I'm, I maybe need to reconsider. This is, this is not working you fast enough. You took out enough. a loan. Like you yeah. invested into, you know, your channel so you could go I into bet that on bad boy. Myself. Exactly. Oof. Bet on myself. My and man. It's a I, business. You know, I've never heard that approach, but I love it. You know, people take out loans to start businesses all the time. This is a content business. Exactly. And that December, I was looking looking at my channel. I had 5,000 subscribers and one video hit and my channel doubled from 5,000 to 10,000 in that month. And with that, you know, comes a good chunk of change. And you're like, okay, let's, well, let's keep going a little bit further and see where this mm. gets. And so it went from 10,000 to 30,000 by that three-year mark. And that December, again, my channel doubled from 30,000 to 60,000. And at the four, three and a half, four-year mark, I hit, uh, hit 100,000. And then in the last year, I went from 100,000 to 250. So that curve is really significant. And, and my girlfriend, Nicole, she put it, she has a good corporate job which was great at times when things were tight money wise, building this channel, her, she will always, you know, get a raise, a promotion and her, her career will continue to climb at a steady rate. Whereas I took out a loan. So perhaps I went down at first, <laughs> but it will curve up significantly steeper. And she, she knew that I'd be out earning her eventually. And, uh, I'd say we're not there yet, but we're, we're getting close. So, <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's a fantastic story. So you take out this loan, you invest in yourself and yeah. you, you know, you, you mentioned the jumps. What yeah. did you in the process of maybe about YouTube, maybe about what it takes to be successful as a creator? Like, what did you learn? Uh, let's say, let, let's pick that mark from like 10,000 when you made that jump to 30,000, like yeah. that point. Um, what is like a key thing that you learned that Easy you were like, answer. yeah. Okay, cool. Tom, I was at that point where I'm questioning, even at 30,000, I'm going, you know, I'm still not making enough money to really be thriving off of. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting by, I'm surviving. I'm finding some side freelance jobs on the side, but this isn't where I expected to be after three years on YouTube. I, I thought I'd be further along. Is this the right choice? Should I bail and get another marketing job and, and go back? But I looked back on what I had done in those two, three years on YouTube and none of my friends were doing those things. I'm literally riding on tugboats. I am riding with <laughs> snow groomers. I am up in the engine room of a chairlift, like just showing yeah. viewers cool stuff around the world that no one else gets to do. And I'm going, yep. I don't want to give that up. I can't imagine not doing this job. And so I, yep. I kind of got comfortable. I said, look, even if this is just getting me by and I'm break even, I'm so much happier doing this than going back the to a desk. The experience is so rich. The, yeah, everything that you're 
yeah, uh, man, y- y- it's not just about the money at that point. It's about no. these compounding experiences that are all going into uh, you, you look at uh, life, your experience, is- and and then also like your character is blooming as well at the same time. So you're getting it's like you know like watching your your favorite TV show. Like over the years, you know the That's the it. main the main characters like develop and there's an arc, and and your fans get to see that with you. It's also great to be able to look back on my life and see, A, how I've progressed as a person, how I've changed physically as a Longer human, hair. Lo- much longer hair from my old videos, which is, which is funny because I've, I'm 34 at the moment. So for 32 years of my life, I always had short hair. I looked just like you, Tom. I was just that typical short-haired person. Did your, I, did I, your hair get longer as, as your – subscribers grew <laughs> grew more I think my subscribers grew once i started growing my hair no maybe I, uh, the, maybe that's the thing man maybe that's the secret the takeaway i i made a conscious decision that i was like you know i'm not applying for jobs anymore i don't need to impress anyone i why don't i give it a try i've never grown my hair but my channel has significantly grown and and much faster with the hair i don't know if it's correlated but it's now it fits the personality it looks like you know you're supposed to be walking around like you know on a tuesday just going on an adventure when everyone else is buttoned up it's become part of the brand this is how people know me now and i don't feel like this is me this is just kind of a phase it's something fun but people are like oh he's the long-haired guy all right yeah yeah not bad Okay, so you're the the channel the you're starting to see that hey, this is worth it either even either way, uh, even if I'm not making a lot of money from it right now. But you keep going. At what point do you start like actually monetizing this thing, and it starts to become a business? Good question. I I, I looked at it as a business from the very beginning. That mm-hmm. was you know the whole point with taking out a loan. I knew I'd be able to pay that off, pay that back, earn it back in dividends. Uh, well, in, in spades, hopefully down the line kind of thing. That was, uh, again, I looked at this as a business and that's partly why I named it Downey Live and not Michael Downey. I made a purposeful decision to separate the brand from the person. This so I can be show. Michael. Yeah, this is it. A, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'm at a stage now where I'm expanding the show. So I have a manager, I have two editors, I have, I'm now starting the Downey Live show, which is a second part to the YouTube channel, which will be more of sit down long form interviews like this, because my videos, for those of you who don't know who I am, are high paced adventure videos. They're almost like highlight reels of an experience. They're educational and entertaining, but they don't really show a whole lot of me as a person. Everything is highly edited. And so what what am I like to actually talk with one-on-one with someone that, I mean, we're getting that now, Tom, but my, my viewers maybe aren't, and they maybe want more of that. And so I'm starting this also a sit down interview style. And, and another part of that is from a business sense, it is a much lower input of work with a higher output of content. So it's a business decision. Hey, hey, you're extremely right about that. That's something that I think about when podcasting and I'm like, this is such a cool format because I've done the (laughs) vlogging thing. I've done, you know, I've done some travel stuff before and like, there is so much from start to finish, you know, it's one to two to three days of like committing around the concept, but this, 
you know, this, you get this, you know, this rich conversation, you sit down with someone that you're really in, like you're, you're recording conversations that you want to have yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you can clip it. And these things can be all over the place. You develop relationships, you know, we're going to, yeah. you know, most of the people I interview, like we, we all become like, you know, we keep in touch and it's a lot of fun to like, kind of, you know, continue to see how, how, you know, how we can help each other, you know, as, as creators. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, and you see a lot of the big vloggers doing that, you know, like the, from yeah. the Dobrik to like the, even like the Nelk to the, the Pauls, like they're all starting. They're like, we can't sustain this vlog format, you know, no. we got, and they all, they all kind of revert to, you know, interview format eventually. It's a good compliment, uh, especially if you built the foundation of people that love you to just yeah. be able to pivot and write and go into that and have them work off of each other. The other side of it as well as it does, as you said, creates collaborations. I will now be able to have conversations with people that I that otherwise wouldn't be able to join me on a three-day adventure. You know, if someone's Ryan Reynolds is from Vancouver, he and I went to the same high school many years apart. We've never met. But I see his potentially, he may be interested if he came back to Vancouver briefly. He might be interested in sitting down for an hour, but he would not be willing to come on some three-day road trip adventure. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have yeah. time for that. Yeah, yeah. The ask is approachable to people that are like kind of, uh, you know, exactly. in, a different, in a different status or perceived exactly. status than us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and honestly, people like talking about themselves too. You know, when people ask me to do on their people be asking me on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, like, <laughs> especially yeah, yeah I, you check out the show and you make sure like the you know the niche and the lane and everything they're standing for is is yeah. is you know aligned with you. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. So I'm glad that you're doing that, and I think that your fans will will enjoy that. Now I'm, I I want to go into you know sort of that that arc again. Um, the, the tactically, because uh, because yeah. I. There's a, I see with creators, right? They grow a following of a hundred thousand and they don't have a manager. And now these brands are coming at them and they're like, I don't know what to say yes to. I don't know what to be looking for. I don't know how to charge this. Um, like did you, did you, at what point did you start experimenting with, uh, brand integrations and what did you learn in that process? Yeah, I, I think I stumbled and fumbled just as much as anyone else does as we reach that level. Around 50,000 subscribers was when I started getting my first kind of ongoing brand deals. And that was really good to, for me to stop doing freelance video work on the side for clients and such, and was able yeah. to just focus hundred percent on the YouTube channel. And that was great. And then as I hit a certain point where a brand offered me, they're like, we want you to talk about our product for one minute in one video, once a month for six months. So it was basically an ongoing deal where I would have guaranteed income at that level for six months. That's the point where I said, okay, I can actually now afford to pay an editor. And all I have to do is talk about this brand for one minute, once a month, and that will cover his salary for him to edit four videos of mine. So, you know, I only do one video a week. So every video of the month type thing. And but great. But where do I find an editor? That's the, you can go, great. I've arranged the money, but now how do you find the right person for it? And I have built my channel to a hundred thousand or 150,000 subscribers at that point and going, how do I trust someone to take that creatively and hit the nail on the head every single time with what I was trying to portray or that's the difficult part. And I got really lucky. We were trying to build this Vancouver community. I'm in Vancouver, Canada of local creators. And this one channel had 
uh, some great videos. They were growing. They, they blew up faster than I did. And then one of them was like, I am looking to be an editor on the side. And I said, great, you know, how's this? And he said, let's do it. And he's been with me ever since. We just really lucked out. Of course, the first I, few videos, there was some back and forth to get yep. the tone right and, and work together. But the last four or five videos have been, I haven't had any changes at all. And when he came in was through the pandemic. It was, I was making one video a week based here in Vancouver. I go out for a half day, film something, and I have the rest of the week to edit it. I could do that myself. I didn't need him at that time, but I was looking ahead for when the pandemic was ending and I'd be on the road and I need to be continuing to put out videos. So I wanted to get up to speed with him while things were quiet. So we'd be ready to launch once things have, you know, yeah. So, so when you're working with him, what does that workflow look like? You, and and how long have you been working? How many videos has he done now? Uh, it's been about five or six months almost at this Uh, point. It feels like. Okay. So he's doing every week too. Yeah. It's probably two or three a month. Okay. And, And that gives you free time to, you know, think about more video concepts, think about the business, think about more bigger vision stuff for your brand. And so when you're, you film the content and then you, you know, you upload it to Dropbox and then he just, he comes back to you. What is it like whenever he can, like, like what's the work out? Like what's the, you know, the creative relationship like? So I do send them it via Dropbox. Sometimes it's all, if it's, it depends on the video style. If it's kind of a a video where the story is told from beginning to end uh, sequentially and that's it, then he can, I'll just put it all into one folder and he can follow through. But sometimes my story concepts are a little more deep and have a little bit more back and forth. Okay. I want part two to actually be part seven. You know, I filmed it second, but I want it to be towards the end of the video. Or so if I'm mixing the video up in the storytelling, then I will put each section into folders separately but then number them how i want them to come out in the video mm, so they're okay. they're ordered for him and then i'll i'll send him a long email with a short concept breakdown of what the video is and then kind of descriptions of each category or each folder and what i'm looking for but again i'm open to creative interpretation what he puts out is not wrong it may just be different than what i envisioned but that doesn't mean it's wrong Yep. And my, it, in fact, could be, could be better. It could well, be better at times. <laughs> that's it. What's one of the things that is hard to let go of is to pass it on to someone else. But in fact, he comes with a number of skills that I don't have. Yep. Uh, some of it being of different perspective and storytelling, but also in animation and graphics and all these other effects. Uh, we, you know, I did teach him a few things about audio and uh, other transitional technical stuff that I yep. had learned. And now we've kind of come to a middle ground where we're, we're both really happy. And I, you know, I think the reason I bring it up and I like talking about that is because I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, it's easy to get burnout being a creator, right? Yeah. You know, as yeah. you're juggling everything uh, that's in front of you. And in, what you realize is there's so many roles to fulfill, like in this creator uh, company, team, whatever. And some people don't like being the on-camera guy. Some people love, like, really want to find someone that they can edit for. And there's probably people out there for certain people that are like, oh, I I don't have the budget for it. There might be people out there that are like, hey, I see the potential in you. I'm willing to bet on you and, you know, help you out for a couple months because they they really want to be that person or edit your podcast. Uh, So I I think it's – I mean, would – 
I, I just think it's neat that you're you're doing that because some people keep that so tight to themselves and they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to let anyone else touch my brand. There were two things. So one of the one of the areas of where I think I found success. One is I I never quit. Obviously, there could have been points where I quit, but like I yep. said, you have those months where if you just don't quit and you do that next video, that's the one that doubled me from thirty thousand to sixty thousand. You never know when that's going to come along. So one, I never quit. So that's what allowed me to get here. But two is I actually enjoyed the entire process from planning, coming up with the ideas, emailing companies, can we do this, being on on set, on site filming. I'm the camera person. Where's the lighting? I'm the lighting person. I'm the director. I'm coming up with the questions to ask. I'm the host. I'm everything. And then I also really enjoyed the editing aspect. And that's kind of what I was doing before that made me think about, I'm not bad at this. There's got to be a way I can make some money at this. Um, so I enjoyed the entire process, which is where I think a lot of people fail because they like to be on camera, but they hate the editing because it's such yeah. a long, painful process. So getting rid of the editing for me was difficult because that was part of the creative fun where you build out the entire your entire vision that's the, yeah. the finale but when i want to have one video out a week and it takes three days to email companies plan the route book hotels book tickets uh whatever it is and then it, uh, yeah. five days to be on the road actually filming the content you're already at eight days in a week and i haven't even started editing it so purely to keep myself on pace of one video. You have to give up something in that process. We had to. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's great to hear. And then, so when you're reaching out to these uh, brands, when the first couple of brands that you started working with, were they, were they, were they reaching out to you at this point? Like they were paying attention or were you reaching out to them for your first couple of brand deals? My, well, let's, so the typical brand deal of what you think of, hey, today's video is sponsored by so-and-so, those people always reached out to me. But when you're smaller, when you're 30,000 subscribers, 10,000, whatever it is, and you're not getting those brand deals, how do you make money through YouTube? Yeah. I have a marketing degree and I would go and always think, okay, who do I want to work with and what do they need and what can I offer them while I'm there? So a great example is I really wanted to go to the ski resort and film riding along with their snow groomer. It was just a general curiosity. What's it like to be a snow groomer overnight? Love it. They, they work the night shift, but I I also need money. And so I go, hey, while I'm, while I'm there, I can film an Instagram video for you or something else for your website, whatever you need. You know, I'm a videographer and can put this together for you. And you send them a little bit of a portfolio and they go, no, we're not interested. Thanks. But, you know, while you're here, you can work with our our uh, operations team, which like runs the chairlifts and they're, they have Canada's highest restaurant. And so what are the challenges up there? So anyway, I ended up making five or six YouTube videos from working with them. But because I had put in their mind that I could do all this stuff and they weren't interested, they watched the videos and afterwards they said, Ooh, those were great. Now they we, get it. We yeah. would like to buy a one minute segment that we can put on Instagram and whatnot. And you go, great. Well, you know, I charged for that after the fact. They said, no problem. And they bought all five one-minute segments. And so that was a big win for me. And of course, two of those videos also blew up. And that were the reason that my channel went from 30,000 to 60,000 in a month. So it was a, that was wow. a double win. But it was you always... Got, you got paid to, <laughs> exactly. to make your account bigger at the same time. Exactly. And so for me, that was always the thought of, how can I get paid while doing what I want to be doing and working with the companies? And so I say 
you know, riding with the snow groomer. That is my example of going behind the scenes because when I'm starting, when I was 800 subscribers, no five-star resort is going to invite me as they have their grand opening of their new hotel in the Dominican Republic. That's not going to happen. So how else can I get to access to these cool places or get invited? Anyhow, well, let's go behind the scenes. No one's asking the facility manager any questions. They want attention. Like you said earlier, everyone loves to talk about themselves. So when you pitch from a different angle, I want to go behind the scenes with your facility manager. The marketing team goes, oh, no one's ever asked us that. Sure, let me let me ask him and see. And he goes, yeah, sure, send him along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'm the only one with behind the scenes access to this whole this whole thing. And sometimes it's a numbers game, tugboat being an example. They, they don't sell to customers like you and I, like they don't sell to normal people. We're not ever buying tugboat services. They have their clients and they don't need to market to them anymore. So I'm really just a liability to get on the boat. But <laughs> yeah. if you pitch to enough companies, I think I pitched to seven of them. Four of them got back to me saying, no, we're not interested. Two of them didn't get back to me at all. And one of them said, sure, come on down. Why not? And it, that video did really well again because no one else was making tugboat videos yo i've always said there's not enough tugboat content on youtube <laughs> <laughs> i've always said that <laughs> well tom i have good news for you this week's video is a tugboat video uh, no no hint of a lie i'm uh yo, doing the video i did four years I, ago because i it needs to be done better yeah yeah that's you you should yeah revisit that concept i mean i love it i love it uh and you bring up something about just asking and just putting yourself out there. That's what I've noticed over the years too. Most times, you know, people are like, Oh, I don't want to ask because they're probably just going to say no. Yeah. Actually there's a really good chance they're going to say no sure. right, right now. Right. But now you're top of mind. You're in their world. You know, it's yeah. a small industry is what I'm seeing is like, you know, someone shares a video over here. They say, Oh, who did that? And like, Oh, that guy actually reached out to me before we should circle yeah. back with him. You know, you never know who's going to pop back up in your world uh, from an ask that you made eight months ago. That's right. That's right. And the other thing I like to think of is, I mean, I call it the Coca-Cola Pepsi concept where uh, a good example is I pitched to a ski resort. It's called Whistler and Blackcomb. And it's the big ski resort here in Vancouver that held the Olympics, the Winter Olympics for us. And they, of course, got back to me and said, no, we only work with influencers of 50,000 or more. And but of course, we have many more ski resorts around us. And those other ski resorts were essentially fighting over a content creator that could make videos for them. And those are the ones that I went with to do all this behind the scenes stuff. And they ended up buying stuff off me because no one is pitching to them, but they have the same equipment and they're great yeah. local companies. Yeah, no, you make a good point. Like in that category, people usually know each other. You know, if you're 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 reaching out to like a you know, a hotel or something like that person used to work at another company, you know, marketing right. company for hotels before that. And they're like, Oh no, no, we, we have an in-house guy, but these guys, you know, they, they might be interested in what you're That's doing. True. So just throw yourself out there. And, and like, if, if you can tell stories, if you can tell stories with a camera, I don't care what kind of stories, if it's short form, TikTok, photos, YouTube, uh, yeah. polished uh, hype videos, like yeah. you are an asset to like, like pretty much any anyone that's trying to sell something <laughs> yeah. and and uh just have fun with it and ask people now i i touched on the phrase of storytelling 
Uh, you're an, a natural storyteller. I can tell in your stories and your answers and, and in your videos. What are some tips that you would give a young creator who wants to tell stories on YouTube? What, what is something you can say about you know captivating an audience for an 8 to 15 minute long video? What's the secret sauce? <laughs> I can't give that up, Tom. I can't give that up. <laughs> oh, that's a good. Um, I guess you want to hit them with the either the most intriguing or exciting part, and so they're hooked, and then continue to build that out. But I mean, a lot of people will cut a lot out. They'll be afraid. Oh, I need to keep this short. I need to keep it fast paced. Don't be afraid of details. Sometimes the details are what bring someone into the story. Be even more. Um, one of my big videos that really grew me quickly was the first time I'll, I'll say I was, I went down to a wedding and instead of just flying back from California to Vancouver, I decided I'll take the train. It just for my, my channel, that's something different. I always try to do something different. It's a new angle. It's 24 hours on the train. Um, but to be honest, I was best man at the wedding and I was very hungover the next day when I was taking the train and didn't want to be on camera so much like I normally am. Mm -hmm. And so I used a lot of voiceover after in editing to help tell a story. Well, that's the first time I'd ever done it. I always thought voiceover was cheating. Oh, you were lazy on the day of and you didn't give enough information on camera that you now have to. It is a fantastic storytelling tool because now you know exactly what happens and you can compile all of that information and tell the best story in a way. Whereas when you're telling it in the moment, I don't know what will happen next. So I can't set that up for mm. the most shocking or the most impactful moment where you can. With, so I guess with storytelling, don't be afraid to use the tools at your disposal. That's one. Are one there tip. Are there any any YouTubers out there that helped you sort of mold your style that that you saw you know early on that you know helped helped your thinking around how you wanted to create videos or or was it more from TV? I would say I'm more le leaning these days. The videos I'm making are more in the style of TV. I really like to. I, I want to make. I want to create more series where you can come in on one video, whether it's episode two or three of this adventure, and I bring you up to speed in the very first 10 seconds of the video. It's so far to get here, we've done this and this and this, and now we're here to do this for this journey. And you go, great, wow, I, I already missed two episodes. I should go back and watch those. Or even if you don't watch them, you're caught up to speed with the whole element of the storyline, and we're now into this story. And then at the end of that episode, leaves you with a big hook, a teaser, for the next part. Now, these are very traditional TV storytelling techniques, but it's just storytelling techniques. The reason television used them was because they work. They work. <laughs> and so I actually- They cast your attention. Yeah, I had this three-part series that was taking the train up to Churchill, Manitoba, where the polar bears come every year, and made a three-part series. All three parts did really well because anyone who came for the train content, people love trains on my channel for some reason, but they, because I built up the storyline towards the polar bears so much, they had to come back and see that and, and vice versa. And I actually split it up into eight parts on TikTok and those blew up because I wanted to make each single TikTok from that part be a story that could stand alone, that they could watch on their own, but it told the story very quickly at the beginning of what we did to get there and where we're going next. And so they wanted to follow. And my TikTok went from 5,000 to 150,000 by the end of that series. And TikTok Canada recommended me to be interviewed 
I was interviewed on two news networks because of that series on TikTok. And I got to go watch this. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, I mean, it was a great trip. And why not? I'd already filmed it. Why not capitalize and use that content in as many platforms as possible? Why just hold it on YouTube when it could go there? Well, yeah, let's go into that. So you are on your, would you say your main channel is YouTube? Yes. Yes. And then uh, for TikTok, what is your strategy there? Are you doing any originals for there or, or is it mostly just repurposing, just like you said, with that series well, for so TikTok? It, it was repurposed for TikTok and now I'm more conscious, especially with the rise in Reels and the power of Reels, with being very, very similar to TikTok. I consider yep. them kind of the same. Uh, I will actually be on site. Let's take the, t the tugboat as an example. I'll be on the boat filming for YouTube with a nice camera that films horizontally and I'll stop and I'll put that down and I'll pull out my phone and I'll film it vertically on my phone for TikTok and Reels. So I'm filming things twice, Beast. even though I could cut it out of that horizontal video that's a nicer camera. But people on TikTok kind of expect it to be filmed on the phone. And so you give it to them that way. So now I'm being yeah. more conscious of how can I tell the story in the moment while I'm there rather than cutting and repurposing. But it, I have proven that that does work as well. Yeah, man. So yeah, th that's a, from a production standpoint, that's a lot going on. You know, you got like, you got like two different platforms, two ways of engaging and you're able to shift back and forth. That's, that's impressive. And then I have on the YouTube channel, I'll have the main video, but I also have a members channel where you can click join right, right next to the subscribe button on my channel is a join button. And you know, for $5 a month, you get behind the scenes access, you get early access to videos, bonus videos, etc. So I'm filming those also while on site. So really kind of three videos at a time yep. while on site. And who's are your editors editing all of them? And so you're like, you're executive producing, editing them, you know, you're overseeing and kind of directing the edit and then they'll, uh, then you have, you know, a couple different platforms now. Is it, is it all edited by other? Right. Right team? now I've been doing all the members videos so I can keep that close and, and intimate and it's a lot more uncut. I wanted to add something to them that is really easy for me to do. So it's not highly edited. Uh, and they actually like that because they get the highly edited videos and now this is kind of that raw, the raw feel that they're like, yeah. oh, this is the real mic that I'm getting. People like the raw. Absolutely. You know, I, I was, uh, it was, I was cracking up. Like, I remember, uh, you, you know, Danny Gewurz, the YouTuber. No, I, don't. I don't know if you know him. He's a cinematographer. Okay. Uh, and he's, he's, uh, he does uh, like these beautiful films and, um, he, uh, yeah, he puts like, a, you know, a lot of time and energy into, you know, crafting these videos. And then there was like one video where he was like sitting in his living room, just like talking to his mic. And I like looked at his channel and it had like, you know, at, at that time, it had like 10, like 10 times the amount of views in like the, la the last five. Right. And right. I was like, it's so wild how YouTube works that way. You know, yeah. now granted, like a lot of his highly produced videos do have a lot of views, but it's like, sure. it, it's not like uh, you uh, that level of production there's no like still real correlation same. between extra right. production value no there isn't we, we feel we often feel like there is and you'll you'll bury yourself in work oh this i have to outdo my last video i have to put in next level of effort or buy that new camera and it doesn't correlate necessarily it can well, help it, it can help and i think there's like times even me like when i'm filming um you know like sometimes 
sometimes it'll be like I I I film my videos like early in the day. I wake up and I film it at like six or seven, yeah. and you know like. I might, I might like still a little tired and like, I might have like some lint on my shirt or like dog hair. And like at the beginning I was like, Oh no, I got to refilm that. I got to refilm that. I'm like, no, like whatever. Like, yeah. like, you know, every, everyone's got lint or dog hair on their shirt. Like that's the, that's the difference between watching my content than like a news anchor. Right. Like, like we're keeping it real. And if anything, if someone wants to talk trash about it, then cool. Give me that engagement. I'm happy oh, with it. I love that. There are haters in the comments. Yeah. Come at me. Oh, look at his lint on his shirt. Yeah, he's a bum. Yeah, I am. You watched my video though, so I don't know. There is nothing better when they when they comment on every single video and they're hating on it. You go, but you're still watching. You're still Bro, here every yo, time. Yo, someone commented yesterday who follows me and said, "Stop giving out this advice. You're no one." <laughs> And I was like, why are you following me, bro? <laughs> like, 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 I was like, I don't, I don't, like, it's literally, it's that easy to just, like, not get my advice and just yeah. not look at it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so strange. Funny. Um, so let, let's, so the business is there now. Um, business is there. You got a couple different angles that you're working with people. Can we talk about, like, it, it doesn't, not like how much, but like, what is, how, how's where's money coming in from now? Like, like I'm, I'm imagining someone has thirty thousand. They say, "Hey, I want to be Downey Live." Yeah, like, yeah. what do I need to attain to? Like, where does this money need to come from? Like, where are the main sources? You said that there was a membership group. There's sponsors. There's probably YouTube. Like, what are yeah. the the couple that you're optimizing for at least? So, YouTube ad revenue is one of my biggest. Uh, I know a lot of creators that it's actually one of their smallest, and they do a yep. lot of affiliate links or brand deals. I don't do a lot of affiliate links. I do actually, it's, it's basically zero once every once a year, I'll get a tiny, tiny check from Amazon, but it's nothing essentially because I don't like to push stuff. I, I have no real interest in doing merchandise and just slapping my logo on a t-shirt. I don't think yeah. that contributes much to the world. I'd rather be encouraging you to get out into the world and doing unique experiences. That's what my channel is all about. So I'm not about stuff. So there's no merchandise. Uh -huh. There's no affiliate marketing. I would say I like it's pretty close to 50-50 between the YouTube ad revenue and the sponsorship deals at this point. But a new one that's coming on is licensing where I've randomly licensed out some portions of my videos for whether it's a TV commercial or I should say like digital commercials, uh, but essentially a TV commercial that's just played on, you know, mm -hmm. YouTube skip ads yeah, yeah. Uh, or a company is putting together a video, like a promo video for Vancouver. And they've come across my videos and they say, Hey, we love this video from 34 seconds to 52 seconds. Can we use that? You go, sure. Cost this. Um, and the most recent one is I actually signed a TV network deal where my, my show it's odd to call it that. My YouTube videos will will begin airing on TV. But to do that, I now have to make them 23 minutes long, exactly 23 minutes long. So normally a YouTube video is like, eh, this feels like it's done here. You know, it's a 17 minute video or it's an eight minute video or, mm. or longer, but now it has to be exactly 23 minutes. So that's a new challenge, but it's nice to be able to do the work once and ha and monetize it Get multiple times. Multiple times. You think about that That's video. Cool. I film that video once. It goes on TV. I earn that licensing. Then I put it on YouTube. I earn the YouTube ad revenue. And then within that, I get to put in a YouTube sponsor and say, today's video is sponsored by you. 
So there's three revenues right there off one piece of content. And then that doesn't include, um, you know, cutting that up, putting it onto Instagram reels, TikTok, other areas to continue growing the brand. So yeah. my goal, do the work once and monetize it as many times as you can down the road. That's a, that's a great, that's a great business model. Uh, it, it, would there ever be, uh, cause I know that like some people, are excited to go this pass others are like that's not for me at all i'm curious uh any digital products or like kind of courses in, could be. in your future of course could be and i know they can do really really well i just feel it's so interesting i okay so the my youtube channel is called downy live it's it's named after me but I find it very deceiving because I don't think my videos are about me and they're definitely not live. They're all highly edited. I think <laughs> I like to look at my video as showcasing, you know, the tugboat captain and that industry and whatnot. Yeah. It's not about look at me. I'm on a yeah, tugboat. Yeah. Uh, and so when it comes to teaching a digital course or some sort of product like that, I go, I feel like there's someone well, what, else who's done it better already out there. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I hear you on that. I hear you on that, and, and it's extremely competitive out there. And in, in order to do a course right, uh, so you know, you don't want to just like uh, half, half butt it and just throw it out yeah. there just to you know get some money. Uh, and you 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 really want to be passionate about like a specific thing that you like really want to make an impact on people on. Exactly, about. something I feel like that hasn't been done that I can really give solid information and help people in the right direction not just to put out a course because it will earn me money. You know what I was thinking? Like, I don't know if anyone's done this yet, but I don't know why companies don't sponsor courses. Like, like why couldn't mean? someone go to music bed, right? And say, Hey, I'm going to make a course about editing and ah, editing music and audio. Yeah. And then, you know, naturally you're going to get, you know, a big creator like you would get thousands of people coming to learn how to edit like you. And then, and then they'd sign up for music. And, and then, like, yeah, the affiliate, the, the sponsor, like, it, it could be powered by. Uh, That's a great I, idea. Yeah, I, I think more people would do that. I don't, I don't, I don't know why not. Especially if you're a bigger creator and you know that there's going to be a clear audience, then it takes the pressure off you. Like, you're getting paid for it, and it's just like a, it's free or, or you, right. it's really cheap. Uh, it's the pressure's off you to like, you know, how. You can just have fun with it. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. And there, there has to be, you know, not just audio editing specific. That's, it's just an idea for. Yes. Yeah. That, the course industry, anything. you know, exactly. how, how creators can work with brands and, and teach and yeah, kind of like, uh, yeah. And, and make a lot of impact. Like if, if I got a course from like, you know, Peter McKinnon on how to like edit his vlogs. And like, I saw like a sponsor there, but I got it for free. I'd be like, yeah, let's go. You know, yeah. like, I'm not mad at that. Normally it'd be 300, 500 bucks. Or even you go to the music bed website and you're considering, do I want to go with music bed, epidemic sound, art list, all, all these options. But you know, right next to the start free trial or whatever, there's an entire course. free course sitting yeah. right there where you can watch and learn how to edit using their audio. And you're like, oh, this makes a lot. Wow. I didn't even know I should be doing that. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. I might I might clip this out and just send this to Music Bed straight up and say I want ten percent. Well, you'll already be late because I've I've already emailed them. <laughs> Your manager is over here in the yeah. corner, like you know, taking this down. No, yeah, I mean, the, this down. well, and that's the beauty, man. Like, uh, I mean, all jokes aside, no one ever do that because it's I don't find all the creators that I talk to, all these brands, like it's so collaborative. 
everyone wants to help everyone out. And, you know, like, yo, here's this editor, here's this idea, at least from my experience. Uh, And even even you, like I got connected to you you through, you know, another guy in the industry, just like, hey, you guys should meet. I I see that all over the place. Yeah. And one other uh, thing I should touch on is we're talking about sponsorships or working with brands, working with companies. A lot of people go, okay, what's in my contract? What do I have to do so I can get that money but not do anything extra because I don't want to be – too pushy with products or whatnot with my audience. I love to over deliver for my sponsors. If I can get as many conversion rates as possible, A, it's because I've chosen that it's a product that I really already use and enjoy mm-hmm. and I don't partner with a company that I'm not happy with. But B, then they the next time they come around, they go, wow, that was really successful. And you go, great, now we're charging double, by the way. Or they want to go even further. They go, instead of just a YouTube integration, we want to have it. On your Instagram as well, you can package deals as long as you over deliver. It's only beneficial for you down the line. Oh, we've. Uh, oh, my video is still being recorded. Okay, but I can't hear yeah. you. Oh, I can hear uh, you. you. Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're good, we're good, we're good. Uh, yeah, no, I I love that over delivering, and for and it's good insight for me too. Right now, you know, even with my, my I'm getting a lot of engagement right now uh, through the podcast and. Uh, to through the TikTok and uh, yeah, just just in general, um, more brands are reaching out to me for like these these integrations, these ideas. And I'm curious, like in your brand read, do you have any tips for like how to include the brand into your video in a way that isn't going to make your audience furious? <laughs> what I've noticed, what I didn't know before. Well, I, I caught it a couple of times, but my editor has been sneaking in Easter eggs into the ad or into the integration rather, where, you know, he'll show the the YouTube, you know, when it kind of like pulls out of the screen and it show, looks as if we're right on the YouTube website and it says subscribe and he's kind of indicating where you could see the link type thing, but he'll change the title of the video. So it's not a day in a tugboat life, but it's, you should every comment that Mike should pay his editor more or he'll put something, you know, funny like uh, that, but very, very briefly that like uh, I've, I've noticed because I have a really keen eye on what's going into my videos, but I have noticed, uh, missed it a few times, but what he, he's, he's told me he's personally doing that so that when people catch it and comment, then more people will be watching through the ads, looking for these different. So one time he swapped out, I have a photo back here. He swapped it out for the Shrek family digitally, and it just looked like I had a photo of the Shrek family That's behind me. smart. But when he clips back, you know, then it's not there anymore. It's back to my normal photo. And just are there interesting ways that you can make this more engaging to your audience that knows you and go, ooh, last time he did this. What can I catch this time? Bro, that's really smart. I thought that was really clever. Sneak things in there that people like your your core fan base would be like, well, yeah, little Easter eggs. I love that approach. Yeah, and I wasn't sure because you do have to send these in for approval from the brand, and so I thought it was edgy to be like, well, you know, what if they want that changed? You put all that work into it, and once he said no, it's so your viewers watch it every time. I was like, oh, I love that. That's that. smart. I want to think of that. I want to think of ways to how how I can do that. Yeah. Uh, that that's a lot of fun. Thank you for that insight. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks, 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 your editor. Thanks for I editor think I know now. your editor too. I think I met your editor in the um lo- like small world in the moment Slack group. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's very active in all the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, like, I, we were just, like, jamming back and forth, uh, you know, about ideas or whatever. And I think he, you remember him sharing your stuff, like, a long time ago. And, and that's how right. I first saw your stuff. Oh, great. Well, the, yeah. the reason I hired him over anyone else, this goes back to what, what are you looking for in an editor or the right editor. I make YouTube videos. This goes back to your very first question. How do I introduce myself? I'm a YouTuber. I make YouTube videos. I am not making music videos. I'm not making documentaries. I'm not doing that. So when I asked him, I knew he made YouTube videos, but that's often just because it's so easy entry into the world of video and editing. This is where you put your stuff. But what are his ambitions? Did he want to be doing editing Hollywood movies or documentaries or music videos? No, he told me he wanted to be the best YouTube editor possible, which is exactly what mm. I want. And so he is motivated to make my YouTube videos better. He's constantly learning about A, the algorithm or psychologically how people think, what are the options on YouTube that, you know, if you're watching my video, guess what? You have six other video options right down the right-hand side of the video that you should probably be, be watching and I need to make sure your attention stays here. So if you look, if you get a film school student coming right out of film school, they're not aware of those details, but Matt was, and that's what I knew I needed him for. There may be a few skills, editing skills that I could teach him. You know, he didn't have everything, but I can teach him that as long as he's motivated in the right direction. That was that's what sold me on him. That's great. That's great. So in that process, talk to the, your collaborators. Hey, what do you really want out of this? Like, what what is your vision for this? Exactly. And if he says, hey, I want to edit TV commercials, he's probably not your guy. People consume content very differently. A TV commercial isn't going to slap on YouTube unless it's like a Super Bowl commercial that people are going to like, you know, sure. rewatch over and over again. But right. it's not going to just like get organic reach for no reason. Right. And it's interesting too when they, you know, if you're looking to work with an editor, they'll send you a portfolio and you can look at it and go, okay, but this is all based off of content that someone else has sent them. And you can only, it's hard to judge them on someone else's filming style or talking style or the totally. way they wanted it presented. So because I have great experience in editing my videos for the last four years, I was able to pick apart what exactly is he doing detail wise that has made this video interesting. Whereas someone, if you are starting a YouTube channel and you're not interested in editing, and so you want to find an editor from the get-go, you don't even know what to look for, or you don't know what they should be doing. So I did have a level of understanding, but you still have to... Actually, I'll tell you, basically to test it out, instead of just giving him some videos I'd film and go, let's see what you would do with this, I don't really think that's fair because he deserves to get paid for the work he's doing. So I'd, I had actually lined up two gigs with uh, like freelance video work with a local company and I put built him into the budget and I'd asked him ahead of time, would you want to work on this with me? And we'll use this as a test to see how we work together. Great, yep. But now I have budget allocated for him and to test it, it to see exactly. yeah. and if it doesn't go over well, guess what? It's not going on my YouTube channel, it's going to them <laughs> and they'll be That's happy. smart. And so that's, that's how why I, I might steal that approach. I might steal that approach. I actually did that recently. Uh, yeah, in a similar way, uh, companies were reaching out to me to uh, like write similar write TikToks the same way that I do mine. And oh, I yeah. was like, I don't, I don't really have the time to like 
write someone else's TikToks right now. Uh, So I I went on Upwork and Fiverr and there's like tons of people and I didn't end up hiring anyone. But like in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, now I know, you know, how much people are looking for for that. And I can build that into, you know, when a company reaches out or when I, you know, you know, need some collaboration in the future. Yeah. Smart. So talk to me about uh, you said that you had a manager. Uh, what, at what point did you start working with the manager in your, you know, you, you went from two, 200 to 250,000. Uh, yeah. at what point did it make sense to, uh, bring it in uh, a manager and is it, is it a manager? Is it a business partner agent? Like what is it, or, you know, like it's, it's a manager. So the, okay. he, he brings in basically brand deals and takes a commission off the brand deals that he brings in. He doesn't take any AdSense revenue or any of the other side of the business that he doesn't touch. Um, but in negotiating this TV deal, what do I know about negotiating TV rights <laughs> and exclusivity yep. and longevity of the licensing agreement and all these other details that he figured out. And so, you know, he gets a commission on the TV deal because he negotiated it, which is yep. great. So in, in basically I at around a hundred thousand subscribers is when I kind of went, okay, I should probably have someone negotiating this. Cause I'm, I'm trying to negotiate with these companies that are reaching out to me and I'm really not getting anywhere in the negotiations are going, no, this is our price. This is, what we do with other creators, your size, even though I feel like I'm more valuable or growing faster or, or whatever the case. And I just didn't know where to look again. It's one of those situations yeah. where, where do you find someone? And I was lucky that in this Vancouver creator group, one of the friends I'd made who was about the same size as me had a manager and kind of recommended him. And so I said, okay, again, let's see how this goes. How do you, sat down we seemed to see the industry in the same light we hit it off i felt like he was the right person business wise for that realm but how do you test it how do you try it yeah yeah there's a lot of trust that needs to be there to to work with someone in that role exactly and if a company is reaching out to me and i can negotiate that then i'm not losing that commission percentage that he's taking so one reached out to me that i figured okay i'd be asking this so I send it over to my manager to see what he do. And somehow he had doubled the rate. And I go, okay, great. You are definitely worth the commission percentage you're taking from that, right? And so that from that point on, it's been a happy relationship. And it just all of the outsourcing at this point to a manager, to an editor, et cetera, as these emails come in, as these problems arise, you just go, oh, that's for the manager. Oh, here's an editing problem. That's to the, the editor. Yeah, It makes life a little bit easier a little bit and more yeah and 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 you you said it so so artic, articulately that if it pays for itself you know if if you're going to ask let's just say the rate is 2000 and yeah. just picking a random number yeah uh but you get all of that and he says you know I'm going to get you 4000 then he gets you know what 10 20 whatever whatever yeah. percent you make more money <laughs> exactly you know and he gets to eat too and you get to do less work exactly. so it it pays for itself and like I think a lot of like artists creator types are like no I'm not giving anyone a slice of my pie but 
this person's going to help you get more time and get a bigger slice of that pie. <laughs> and you have to understand if they're only getting paid on a percentage, the more money they bring in for you, the more money they bring in for themselves. It's, so they're going to, they're, and, they're and, enticed to work harder for you or get you and, a bigger piece of the pie. Yep. And if pie. they specialize in that, they're going to you know, hopefully get you a good amount of deal flow and, and opportunities coming in that like you wouldn't have been able to do because you're so focused on what you do best. And that's telling stories, creating, building the audience. Exactly. Exactly. And and I'll say this again, going back to my concept lately of doing the work once and monetizing it multiple times is in arranging this TV deal. You know, if they only have a budget of X, he goes, OK, great. Well, we were hoping for this. So we'll peel back some of the options so you, you won't get exclusivity. So we'll be able to resell it afterwards kind of thing. And they're going, OK. And so now again, sure, it will go on that television network, but that doesn't mean we can't turn around and resell it to other television networks. And that yep. piece of content has already been made at the 23 minute mark and all of that. So yes. I know some yeah. friends when, when I told them I'm going to have a TV series, they look at that as going backwards. Why would you want to be on TV? No one watches TV anymore. Like you, you want to be on YouTube where you can grow. I still get to put it on YouTube. That is not being taken away from me. It's just yeah. a new opportunity added on. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you might as well. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And it's like, it like adds this legitimacy to it where you, it's like, yeah, it's yes. a TV show too, you know. Yeah, in, in case someone tries Even to if... knock you for the YouTuber name, you can say, also, I, I produce TV shows. <laughs> I'm a TV once, show producer. <laughs> once you do something, they can never take that away from you. Even if the TV show completely flops and is awful, yeah. you will always be able to say, I had a TV show at some point. Exactly. And it does give you that validity. that validates you in, in a sense or raises you above someone else, some other YouTuber that if you're competing yeah. for um, a sponsorship job I don't or integration know what's going or something on like that, a brand end. deal. It's still, oh, well, my God, TV deal. Okay, maybe he's more professional. Maybe he knows that there could be no difference. Uh, your end is freezing right now. Uh, is it free? Is, is your screen frozen on your side? Um, can you can you see me? Okay, I think I, you're good now. Can you hear me? See, this is the kind of stuff that would go into my members page where it's just <laughs> me sitting there awkwardly. <laughs> what does it really look like? Can can you can hear me, right? I can hear you again. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, perfect. I yeah, you were frozen. I don't know what was going on on my end either. Uh um, you hear yeah, me? you were frozen. Yeah, I could hear you the whole time. Oh, okay. I couldn't hear you for a while. Oh, that's strange. It probably I wonder if the same thing happened on either end. Um so no, we're we're good there. I I really got one one more question. Great. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, thank you for you know giving us insights, giving creators you know that are just starring creators that are you know on their way these yeah. insights to be able to uh, at, uh, make it their journey easier or 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 better or more fruitful in some way. Uh, my question is. Um, what is one thing that you believe about what it takes to be successful as a creator that others might not agree with you on? Ooh, 
yeah, I guess I had a couple answers for what it takes to be a creator, but that others <laughs> won't agree with you on. That's a, a, a majority, like, you know, maybe yeah, common you know, knowledge that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's easy to look at other creators and go, they did it this way. I should, I should be doing that. My angle was always to do it differently. What's going to stand out. And there may be creators that say, don't do that. That's dumb. Do whatever you want to do. Wow. No, that's a, that's bad. I guess mine, <laughs> the other thing is, I, I, I was always trying to be very strategic in Oh boy, I don't have a good answer for you, Tom. I think follow your passion, find what you love, and you can't fail if you never quit. I love that. I love that. And I don't know if there's a right. There's not a right answer to that. No. It's just that there's some things that come along the path where you're like traditionally everyone's saying to do this, and uh, you know, honestly, so so many people have outlooks on like what it takes that there might not be anything that isn't said or already talked about. Uh, and I think you nailed it, right? You have to figure out what works for you. Uh, yeah. Just because so-and-so did it, did it this way, that doesn't mean that, you know, that's going to make sense for you. You're going to even like doing it. And you know what I think I noticed about yours too? You really care. Like you're like these stories, you're in it. You want to tell that tugboat yeah. story. Like that's what, that's the foundation of your content. And I think finding that thing that you really care about and build the content around that is is so key, especially like as you're building your brand, because if you build it around something you don't care about, then you're people are expecting like, that's the brand. Now, people are expecting you to do that thing that you don't like to do. Don't worry about being cool. Do what five year old Mike would have done. That's what I look at. Like, what did five year old Mike want to do? Because those are still things I've always wished I could had done but never got to do that's what i'm trying to do now i'm trying to accomplish all five-year-old mike's hobbies dude trains and trains and tugboats you know that's, that's the brand <laughs> it, it makes me smile and so it makes the viewer smile that's it bro i love it so much uh let, let's send people to your socials where, where where do we want everyone to go check you out it's downy live everywhere it's d-o-w-n-i-e <laughs> live one word and You'll have a good time, I hope. If not, Yo, that's okay. I think that might be your next show series name. Downey Live, comma, everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. We're starting right, Canada next. That's the next big project, just across Canada first until the world opens up. Cool, cool. All right, man. This was such a fun chat. Thanks so much for being on the show. Tom, it was great. Thank you.